Over the past several years, concerns have increasingly been raised about the potential long-term effects of head injuries on young athletes, particularly football players. In a recent policy statement, the American Academy of Pediatrics Council on Sports Medicine and Fitness concluded that eliminating tackling from football would probably reduce the incidence of concussions and other injuries. But rather than recommend such fundamental rule changes, the committee focused on enhancing adult supervision of the sport. I'm Stephen Morrissey, Managing Editor of the New England Journal of Medicine, and I'm talking with Stephen Dukoski, Interim Executive Director of the McKnight Brain Institute and Professor of Neurology at the University of Florida College of Medicine. Dr. Dukoski, in a recent Perspective article, Baczynski writes that physicians have been concerned about injuries in football and other contact sports since the 1950s, but fears about concussions in particular have intensified in recent years. As far as you know, has youth football or other youth sports become more dangerous to players' heads? I think there are a couple of different activities happening with different cohorts of players. Actually, back in the early 1900s, there was an effort to ban college football because it was being too dangerous. I believe seven players died in one year. And at that time, in response to your question, most of the injuries were to knees or chests. Not so much was mentioned about head injury. Now, several times it has been suggested that we have more concussive damage to the head in football, in part because in the earlier days, where some of the players who are older now have suffered damage, their helmets were not as good as the helmets today. But the reason that we have more of a problem today is, I think, twofold. First, we are noticing it more. We're making a much bigger deal, as we should, about pulling people out when they look like they have been injured. And second, the speed of the game has gone up tremendously. Force equals mass times acceleration, and we now have players who are well over 300 pounds, but we have 250, 260-pound people who can run extraordinarily fast, run a 40-yard dash in 4.6, and those, to some extent, may be unavoidable kinds of injuries. I also think that our students imitate the pros. The pros, for a long time, have had pride in making good shots occur. It was part of the game. And when the culture is that you hit someone really hard and hitting them in the head is okay, now much of that's outlawed, we're going to have more injuries. So I think the likelihood is that we have much better ascertainment of injuries. We also have much better detection and halting of play or players, even up to the pros, which I hope is making its impression on the younger football players in the country about what is both dangerous and what is not tolerated. So I'm hoping that we can turn the incidence of truly significant problems, especially for younger players, down a bit and make it a sport that's more in line with the risks that occur in virtually every sport that involves contact. So you mentioned the pros. Professional athletes who've had multiple head injuries and then long-lasting effects have been receiving a lot of attention in the press. How much do researchers know about the damage associated with concussions in childhood? moderate amount about the numbers that occur in childhood. We know about the duration. Important to note that the duration of symptoms in, I think, the number used commonly is 97% will resolve rapidly. We also know that the young brain, in addition to being vulnerable, is also very vigorously capable of repair and regeneration, much more than much older brains. We now have increasingly sensitive ways of both imaging looking in spinal fluid and now even in blood for evidence of brain injury. 
but we don't yet know exactly what those mean in terms of the longer-term effects on students. So I think there are two major issues to think about. One, if it's your child or someone you know or anyone's child that you see in a game or on television, you are worried about that particular person. And we know a great deal more about what happens with these injuries. The second issue, which is one the NFL has pointed out, is that we don't know what the true incidence of problems that last beyond a day or two or a week and how long they will last or how much longer-term damage they will apply to the brain. I'm a neurologist. I see many people who have had strokes that they may or may not have recognized symptomatically at the time, but you cannot find anything wrong with them because their brains have accommodated whatever the injury was. I'm not an apologist for head injuries that you can avoid. I'm sort of the opposite of that. But it is true that you can certainly sustain injuries to the head and be fine later on. I suspect that the number of people who actually sustain long-term damage to the brain is a relatively small percentage of the people who are actually injured. And in children especially and young adults, we know that once someone suffers one hit, they should not play at risk another concussion until the symptoms are clear. This is probably frustrating both for athletes and coaches and for some parents, but the risk of an injury that both lasts longer and is very uncomfortable and may have longer-term outcome, adverse outcomes, we are not certain of, but it increases if you are hit during this vulnerable period after the first concussion. So we'd like to have that avoided if we could. Having said that, we also have these injuries that occur in hockey, in lacrosse, in soccer, not so much, I believe, from headers, but by hitting the ground or hitting someone's knee. But we are focused on football. I should point out here that in boxing, which we watch, or many people watch, there were also efforts to ban the sport back in the 1960s. There was both, I believe, an American Academy of Pediatrics and an American Medical Association effort to suspend or make boxing illegal. It didn't work in part because the sport culturally was still very strongly regarded. And this is a sport in which, in my view as a neurologist, the sole purpose is to damage the brain of your opponent, to knock him or her out. We do know that boxers do suffer longer-term neuropsychological problems, not all of them, but that the correlation is with the number of rounds boxed as opposed to the number of wins and losses. So, I should say the last thing is that the long-term effects of boxing, that is dementia pugilistica, which is basically what happens to professional football players, except that they got it not from football but from boxing. I believe the highest incidence that they could determine in people whose sole sport was to hit the head was around 17%. We have no idea whether that will translate to football, but it does suggest that unlike some of the speculation, not everyone who has a a head injury or more than one head injury will end up developing a significant cognitive impairment later. On the other hand, when a professional football player says that he has a problem with his memory, that is in the news. We all learn it, and the assumption that this is happening to a great many players is very, very hard to simply brush off. We have no idea what the denominator is. So with all of that, do you agree with the American Academy of Pediatrics that enhanced adult supervision is what's needed to make youth football safer? Or do you think that more fundamental changes to the rules are going to be needed? I think it will probably be a combination of both. 
I'm pretty much a realist. I don't believe that we are likely to ban football. It is probably the most popular sport in the United States at this point, at the risk of offending basketball and baseball and hockey fans. But we're not going to get rid of it. I think it's unreasonable to think that culturally we'll do that when we tried, when it wasn't anywhere near as popular at the beginning of the last century, and when we are not able to ban boxing, which has much more direct outcomes, and we have known about the adverse outcomes of long-term boxing since the 1920s. So, yes... There are two things America depends on. One is that technology will fix something. And the second is that with better teaching, better instruction, we'll make things safer. I think the real question, because we will do both of those things, but we will not remove the risk of head injury technologically, I don't believe, at least with what we have and know now, especially with the speed and the skill of players who play for a long number of years. But I do believe that the determination to change rules in a way that decreases their likelihood of a severe head injury, other than accidental ones, which occur in virtually all field sports, could make a difference in the number of severe hits. And I believe everyone is looking now at the question of, as younger children start to play, what are the advancing rules that they should play under to protect them as much as they can until they are both strong enough to tolerate neck turns and that they're strong enough to tolerate slowly advancing possibilities of head injury, but without having as many head injuries as they might have if they play from age 10 to age 21 or 22, keeping in mind the vast majority of people don't go on to play pro football. So finally, what advice should individual physicians give parents whose children are interested in playing youth football? Well, this is pretty complicated. I hear people tell me all the time, I'm not letting my son play football. Or, well, my son can be a field goal kicker, but he can't be a gunner and he can't be a halfback or a defensive back. When parents feel that way, the discussion is probably pretty much over. But in many parts of the country, maybe all the country, but in different populations, there are people who believe that this is a wonderful sport. Actually, President Roosevelt was one of the people who weighed in in the early 1900s to say that it builds teamwork, it gets people outside together, it builds sportsmanship, the kinds of things he believed in, all of which are definitely true. And so there are some people who are not going to want to stop football. They are going to say, I want my son to play in as safe an environment as possible. And my hope is that they'll look to see that wherever they have their children play, that they do have both the adequate technology, helmets that are appropriate, and absolutely the correct teaching. If they don't believe they have that, then I would uh, side with them that their child's risk of developing or having an injury is greater. Although even that risk is just that, is a risk. When you look at the total numbers of injuries, their rates are higher than many other sports, but there's no guarantee children are going to undergo significant head injuries. This is a beautiful case in which when you look at the population data, it looks like, gee, this is not something I'd want to do. But the individual, of course, is the person to whom any of these injuries happen. And I have no doubt that many parents, once their children suffer a single concussion, would say, gee, I wish I had never allowed him to play. So when people ask me about it, I say, well, first, is it a situation in which you have what you believe to be as good coaching as possible with equipment that is as good as possible? And second, please think, both you and your son, how you would feel if he had sustained a concussion. It doesn't mean he's going to have a head injury for the rest of his life. The vast majority get better quickly and have no long-term adverse effects. 
but how would you feel about it? And if you would feel massively guilty or if you would feel that you had not done the best to protect him, then he probably should play a different sport. On the other hand, if you understand that there is a risk with this, as there is with soccer, with diving, with lacrosse, then we'll go with what American culture believes, which is good instruction, good technology, and a sense that you put your child in the best place you can to let them play a sport that they obviously greatly enjoy and that enjoys unprecedented popularity in the country. So in a sense, I would ban boxing if I could, because even though I know how to box and I appreciate what an incredible, indeed sweet science it is, those are people trying to hurt the brain. The object of football is not to hurt the brain. And so the question is, can we make it safer? And are there rule changes that might make it safer that would make it easier to have that conversation with a parent and with a student who is perhaps a bit worried but would never admit it but really wants to play ball? Thank you, Dr. Dukoski.